Aston Villa are the visitors to Kenilworth Road as 13 Cup Finals begin in front of the Sky Sports cameras on Saturday evening. Alongside me to preview a huge Premier League clash, the Lutonian journalist James Cunliffe. Jimbo, ready to focus on the league, mate? Yeah, get back to the old bread and butter, shall we? Bread and butter indeed. We'll preview the game after this intro. Hello everyone, welcome along to another episode of the Luton Town Supporters Trust podcast. As I said before the intro, I'm joined by James Cunliffe to preview Aston Villa or Luton Town versus Aston Villa. It's 5.30 Saturday evening. If you haven't got a ticket, it's sold out. So you'll need Sky Sports to be able to watch the game. Jimbo, when we went to their place, I mean, it's a bit of a fortress. It's not quite that now. They've lost a few games. But when we went there, it's a tough day at the office, but we plugged on for a 3-1 defeat. Back at our place, can we reverse the fortunes? Oh, well, you'd like to think so, because, I mean, when we went there, they were unbeaten at Villa Park and quite formidable, and they were comfortably comfortable winners and, and a fair play to them. Um, they're not uh, as effective on the road, but let, let's be honest, they're in the top four. So <laughs> um, we're yet to beat uh, sides up there in those lofty heights, so it's going to be a hell of a task, um, particularly after, you know, getting a shellacking off uh, Manchester Manchester City in the cup um midweek. So um we've got to go into it with with, with hope and uh, hope they have one of those days uh an away day at least that uh, doesn't suit them, doesn't find them well and, and Luton have got to be more on it and with it than they were against um admittedly the best players on the planet. Yeah, this is an Aston Villa side who have Failed to score at Nottingham Forest this season. Failed to score at Everton this season. They beat Brentford in that really crazy game, actually, where the referee lost all control of the situation and they had Morpay and Martinez um, doing stupid things to each other, didn't they? Uh, falling over and pushing each other and nudging each <laughs> yeah. other and all of that nonsense. And obviously they've walloped Sheffield United, par for the course. Um so they are in and out away from home. You're absolutely right. They come into this game off the back of doing us a favour by walloping Notts Forest last week. Um, beat Thanks, them, f- Indeed. Beat them 4-2, 3-0 up in no time. And you thought, aye, aye. And then Forest did a Luton, got it back to 3-2. And then uh, a Luton against Man City for all those Aston Villa fans who weren't aware of what I'm on about. Uh, and then Villa got a fourth one, which kind of put it to bed. But like you say, they're a swashbuckling side at home. Albeit they had their noses bloodied a couple of times, didn't they, by Newcastle and Man United recently. But tend not to be the same away from home. Not the They're not the only ones you can say that about. You can say that about a lot of teams in this league. So hopefully that will stand us in good stead. Another thing that will stand us in, in good stead is there's no Erling Haaland on the pitch on Saturday. Unfortunately, though, there is familiar foe Ollie Watkins, who has 24, 24, 24, 
goal contributions this season. 14 goals, 10 assists, and that's just in the Premier League alone. I mean, obviously it goes without saying. If Luton are going to win this game, he needs to be kept as quiet as quiet can be. Yeah, he's not stopped. He's not stopped being absolutely fantastic, has he? Since we've last been there, and we highlighted him in the first podcast, where he was, he was absolutely on fire. He's, you know, one of the best English strikers in the division, uh, if not the best at the moment, comfortably. And um, you know, Aston Villa's position probably reflects that, but they've got many other talents as well. I mean, you know, you know, beginning midfield and. All number of players. Leon Bailey doesn't stop scoring at the moment. So uh, now I'm saying that <laughs> I'm a little bit worried because um, yeah, Luton got um, cut open far too many times against Man City. Maybe that's the exception because they are unbelievable. Aston Villa are damn good though. <laughs> they are damn good. And if if we think it's going to be in any way, shape or form, um, an easier task at home, I think would probably be a bit deluded. The, the 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 two the couple of things that I would maybe hang on to from the last meeting is that Luton are an improved side since then. Although the if you look at the the results of of late, that that probably wouldn't say that, but it doesn't really tell the whole story. And I think you can take the city game out of it entirely. Um, there's been a, a marked improvement since. Um, you know, before it's, you know, December time, um, maybe, yeah, well, whenever the Brentford game was, um, so, but definitely since then, before Christmas, and that's given everybody um, hope that Luton can get out of it, whereas I think now everybody's talking about Burnley and Sheffield United of, of almost being gone, so still in it, not as much not as much in it as we'd like to have been because of those points, uh, points that Everton got given back, but... I mean, there's no point really banking on those. Rob, Rob Edwards has been saying this for a couple of weeks. There's no point really banking on those. I mean, if we can't stay up um, without relying on on those, then maybe we don't deserve to be. Ultimately, as good as, as good as Luton have been playing and as much of the development that's been happening, then those are sort of cold, hard facts of league football, isn't it? But um, we're not there yet. And this represents another chance to, you know, end that end that losing run and get get some points on the board because uh, we're getting to the squeaky bum time of the season. Yeah, just on that Everton points um, deduction being reduced and things like that. I mean, yes, it'd have been handy for us if it hadn't been reduced. Obviously. 10 point deductions are downside better than a six point deduction. But I think when you look at it in the cold light of day, that should, that deduction should have applied last season. That's for the three years that it was all about. It's only the fact that football authorities twist their thumbs for so long that we've actually benefited from it in any way, shape or form this season. Obviously the two charges against Forrest and Everton from earlier this season, that does apply to this season. And yes, we should be ones to benefit from cheating football teams. But really, you'd be more hacked off if you were a Leicester City fan, wouldn't you, from the fact that Everton got a points deduction when they should have had it last season because Leicester would be in the Premier League now and not Everton. Yeah, I mean, this this is shaping up to get really messy. Um, you know, f- for those teams, I wouldn't begrudge those trying to take some uh, re- retribution in, in the courts, which is probably all they've got 
to to do it. They can't time travel and go back. That's for sure. Um, I can see that happening. I could also see the situation this season, whereas perhaps Luton do have a they they could be um, safe, and then points get given back after the season. It's that it's. It's, it's so frustrating. It, it, it actually, it's worse than frustrating. It, it's absolutely bonkers and mad how shambolic this is being dealt with um, for not just Luton for a whole host of teams who just will not know for certain where their team stands at the end of the season, and it could be decided not on the pitch. It's just not that is not acceptable in the in the top flight, and it should have been dealt with much earlier. Um, the fact that we're probably going to get to the end of this season and Man City aren't even going to have anything done to them over their 150 charges and that's a whole other kettle of fish. Um, it, it, it's, it's just not acceptable. And um, we all want Luton to get enough points to make sure that that is not going to be a factor in, in the end of the season. But, you know, if, does anybody have any faith in the football authorities? Look at this flag behind us. Do you? No. No, exactly. Uh, you know, we are careering towards a situation where Luton are going to play Fulham on the last day of the season. The results are going to happen and we're still none the wiser whether Luton are going to be playing Premier League football next season. This is the biggest, supposedly best league in the world. This is a global institution, a multi-billion pound brand how you can have a competition that finishes but doesn't finish is just bonkers. Just just sort it out, Premier League, right? Just put the punishment to the crime. When the crime's committed, the punishment's enforced. Then they have the appeal, right? Hey, you're lucky you get the appeal right anyway. We didn't. So then you have the appeal time. And that just makes it so much quicker, right? I've got to say, I think... It, I think teams have a bit of a cheek having the right to appeal because what do they use for an appeal? The best KCs in the country who don't come from five or an hour. They're not a minimum wage, these mm-hmm. KCs. So, so they've sort of overspent, which is the reason why they've broken profits as sustainability rules. So now they're going to overspend to try and get their punishment reduced. It's backhanded to me, really. I, the money that Everton have put into their KC to get these points back presumably is going to go on to their PSR down the line, which they're obviously still failing because they've been charged again this season. So they're spending money that they can't spend to to, to save their asses. It's like the tail wagging the dog really, isn't it? It's just, I don't get it. I don't, it's like, it's, I've heard it in the media this week. Oh, fines are enough. So you're going to find someone for having spent too much. I mean, how can that possibly be the case? You know, you can't find someone for overspending and then creating an even more of an overspend. That makes absolutely no sense. So it has to be a points deduction. But let them know the, the deduction before it happens, right? Let everyone know what the punishment is. And maybe we've now got the punishment, right? Maybe the punishment now is six points and everyone knows it. And let's be honest, they're all worried about it because no one spent a bean in January. No one spent yeah. a bean. So they all know that the that there's a punishment coming. Cut out this first phase of where we're at now with the Knott's Forest one that's going to get heard next week, but the verdict's not going to be known for another six weeks. Cut that crap out. 
here's your charge, here's your punishment. You've got two weeks to appeal. Let's get this done before the season finishes so that we all know that on May the whatever it is, 25th or whatever it is, when that final whistle goes, that league table's legit. For me, it's the it's the uncertainty is not acceptable. If there are a list, list of things that you've done that you can do wrong, then every single one of those should have a points total attached to it. So it's not ambiguous at all. It's like if you do that, you know, Everton um, got into a lot of bother. That half their fans talk about the stadium, but there's also a situation where they didn't want to let a player go. Um, I forget his name. Can you remind me what was his name? No, who cares? Is ever a yeah. player? Uh, they didn't let didn't want to let a player go. Um, or no, that was Forest, wasn't it? It was it was Forest Johnson. Sorry, sorry, Everton fans. I'll give you that one back. Yeah, f- f- on the Forest side, they didn't want to let Johnson go, and now they've got this um, charge hanging over them. If they'll know in future, if they if they put the punishments out in clear black and white. Oh, if we do this, we get that and that and X. I mean it. Ultimately, it could be that that is still a system rife for manipulation, but there's no room for manoeuvre. Um, if you get, as Everton have, if you get the charge proven, six points, off they come straight away. What are you going to appeal against? It's there, black and white. It's this uncertainty that's not helping anybody. Apologies, Aston Villa fans. We will get back to the games like it was first chance we've ever had to talk about this game. Well, it does uh, this influence really. this game, doesn't it? Absolutely. We, we yeah. would have been going into it a point behind Everton. We're going into it five points behind Everton, four points behind Notts Forest. And that could be extended because they both play before this game. Notts Forest home to Liverpool, Everton at home to West Ham. So it, it, it does impact this game, but it impacts everything, doesn't it? And yeah, you're right. I can't understand. I can't, I can't in any walk of life think where, you can have a punishment for any crime and not know a rough idea of what the punishment is. You know, if if you commit murder, you know, you're probably going down for life. Yep. Commit manslaughter, chances are you've got 10 or 15 years in the slammer. Commit a football crime. Who knows what you're going to, what you're going to get. And it's plucked out of thin air, seemingly plucked out of thin air. Cause with the Everton and the Premier League, you've got the Premier League who wanted them to get 12 point deduction, which in itself, is ridiculous because there's only nine points for going into administration. So teams will just go into administration rather than taking a 12 point deduction. So the administration thing's got to be higher if you want a 12 point. Everton think that they shouldn't be punished at all. I mean, hello, you've admitted to your guilt and you don't think you should be punished at all. So they're in, they're in la la land. But you know, if you've been to either of the two games there, you probably understand that anyway. <laughs> and then you've got a situation where they get four points back because the Premier League say that Everton manipulated how much they've spent on the stadium and the appeal procedure who've had to listen to Andy Burnham and every walk of senior authority of politician in Liverpool kicking up a fuss. So these appeal people have gone in to this meeting with that behind them. Don't forget, if this is a jury, the jury's kept away in a criminal case, the jury's kept away from the media surrounding it, not here. So they've got a prejudice already. So they've gone in and they've, they've kind of ruled that well, the Premier League don't know for sure if Everton were fiddling the stadium amounts or not. And we're going to give them the benefit of the doubt. You're not giving them the benefit of the doubt. You're listening to the politicians that have rammed it down your throat for the last three or four months. It's all wrong. It's all a load of bollocks. <laughs> yeah, you don't know. You don't need to know the internet out of it. It's just a load of bollocks. I mean, you know, when it got, um, when it got given back, the four points got given back. 
Um, it was you know, five minutes before he was doing the pre-match press conference with Rob Edwards for the Man City FA Cup game. So he didn't really have a lot of time to react. But I mean, we did know that that was the situation and asked him about it. And, uh, and that was the same for him. He wanted the punishments to be uh, out there before before everybody before everybody's eyes clear black and white so everybody knew what the situation was and have that clarity but um you know he he played it with a straight bat obviously because they're talking or he's talking about never really looking at the table as Everton having any deductions whatsoever so he'd always seen Luton had been in the bottom three I mean I know they are now um but they're five points away from Everton where whereas before it was just one and they look catchable um that's still catchable don't get me wrong but um, it, it's just so frustrating and it's doubly frustrating for, for Luton fans who have experienced what they have over the last um, 15 or 20 years but even this this entire century up until 2020 got here let's be honest um, with three administrations and it was you know it's ridiculous and I referenced the flag behind us that's there because We'll never forget that. It, uh, and, you know, that's the 30-point penalty and you've got teams bleating about whatever they've got now um, just because apparently it's it's the Premier League highest points punishment or something. Well, you know, talk to everybody else down the pyramid who have got hit with points, not just Luton. You know, Bournemouth in the same season got 17 points. They managed to stay out of it because 17 points was relatively lenient compared to what we got. But there's loads of teams down the pyramid who've got them. Reading have just got two points taken off them. I don't know their situation. I know they're a bit of a basket case club. So maybe they deserve it or stuff. But there's loads of other teams that get in them. Um, and just because it's in the Premier League, <laughs> it seems like there's a element of leniency. I don't get it. No, me neither. Let's just hope that... This time, Forrest and Everton get the punishments that their crimes deserve and there's no bleating about it and um, it's all done and dusted with a semblance of responsibility, if that's the right word. Back to this game. When we went to Villa Park, Moussa Diaby looked like Pete Kevin De Bruyne and Lionel Messi. <laughs> it was, I said it at the time, it was the thumbnail for our um, review podcast that he was the best player I've seen Luton come up against. Unfortunately, Mr. Diaby, four or five have overtaken you since then, but it doesn't look like he's even going to play in this game. He hasn't started for Villa very much at all recently. It seems to be the Leon Bailey show now. And, um, well, at least we'll have a foot in the kind of in, in his camp because he's a Jamaica international alongside Amari Bell. So Amari Bell will probably give some insights into what he's good at and what he's not so good at so that we've got a better idea from it. Basically, he's on the right-hand side. He cuts in a la Michael Elise mm-hmm. and scores lots of goals or sets lots of goals up. I was so, going to say, I was good. I'll tell you what he's good at. He's good at scoring bloody goals. That's what he is. Can somebody get get hold of that? Because um, we conceded quite a few recently. Yeah, so Alfie's going to have to have his work cut out. If indeed it is Alfie, we'll come on to Luton's team in a minute. Whoever it is on that left side, I've got to keep an eye on Leon Bailey. He's in great form. Uh, really underrated um, player for Villa, actually. Uh, he came off the bench uh, in the game at their place, came off the bench at halftime, didn't he? Kind of changed the game for that sort of 30 or 40 minutes. Another fellow who seems to be scoring for fun. Bagged a couple against Notts Forest. Cheers. Um, Douglas Louise. He's on penalties. I mentioned for the first game, he'll have a shot from a corner. <laughs> yeah. He will do. Um, 
scored a header against Forest from a McGinn cross and also scores from the edge of the box and everything. He's a dangerous guy. We've got to keep sort of tabs on him. Maybe that's at present, that's more of a danger because we don't have that defensive minded midfielder. Yeah, I mean, a, a lot of that's a, a concern at the moment because there doesn't, there isn't um, that element of protection that we had with Nakamba on. And uh, anybody that watched our Man City Review podcast, where we had a bit of a debate about the the style that Luton are going to play with here, that, that, that Rob Edwards said he's not going to change it, so we're going to have to get used to that. I, I'm comfortable with it, but against teams like Aston Villa, it does worry me because they are sharp and good on the counter. Um, are you trying to say your score prediction's not nil-nil? <laughs> I, I, I mean, if my my score prediction's not going to be nil-nil anytime soon, I'll tell you that much. Um, Luton are going to concede goals. It's just whether they can, they can score more at the moment. Um, so while at the beginning of this podcast I said, Aston Villa's form on the road isn't quite as good as their form at Villa Park. When Luton went there, they've had a couple of results go awry of late, but um, they are still very, very good. You don't, you don't, you're not in a shout, in, in with the shout of um, Champions League plays as they are at the moment without being damn good. And we've seen. Yeah, the last game, what Man City can do, we've seen what Liverpool could do uh, before that. Even Manchester United, um, though, though, we, other than the goals, we pretty much played them off the park. Um, it's, it's the ruthlessness, it's the precision, it's the speed at which everything uh, everything they do. And Aston Villa were one of those teams that, that could do all of that when we last played them. And just because Liverpool... Uh, Liverpool, just because Luton have got better uh, since, relatively speaking, take out those last three results, if you just look at the results on their own, um, then Aston Villa, just by virtue of where they are and what they're going for, still in Europe, they're going to they're gonna have been better as well. So it's not going to be a, an easy task in any way, shape or form. No, it's not. No, I don't think it's going to be as hard as Man City or Liverpool just because they're not as good as Man City and Liverpool, but they're not a million miles behind. We're not playing Burnley or someone of someone of that ilk, that's for sure. Do you know what? I'm hoping, because Unai Emery loves a European pot, doesn't he? I'm just hoping that he's got his eye, because that's a huge tie against Ajax Amsterdam, yeah, the big, next round big. of that. I mean, what the hell them two clubs are doing in that competition, I've no idea. But So hopefully, you know, he don't fancy the Premier League game and he's concentrating on uh, his trip to Amsterdam on Thursday or indeed the Villa players maybe they have got their eyes on a trip to Amsterdam great city much better than coming to Luton that's for sure Uh, look ahead rather than than to this game I jest of course they're not going to do that so how do we get to these then team selection for this one's going to be interesting isn't it think you well you was at Rob's press conference for the Man City game of course we're recording this before Friday's press conference so that we can get this out to you He's probably sounded more optimistic than he looked with regards to Elijah Adebayo. Would that be fair? He said there's a possibility of um, him being back for the Aston Villa game, but at the time he hadn't been training at all um, in the group training. That is now that may not be too much of an issue because he 
he's, he's only been out for a couple of games and he was pretty bloody sharp uh, when he got the injury. Um, so, um, but I just, I, I think you, I, I'm just not expecting to see him. I think it, it'd be more forthright and equivocal if he was really on with a chance. But, um, I wouldn't risk him if he's half and half either because um, with all due respect, those are, though there is a chance against Aston Villa and I fully expect a closer game than hopefully than the Man City. I bloody Liverpool. expect a closer game. <laughs> I really, it'd be nice for the nerves, wouldn't it? The, it'd be nice if we play a football team rather than a PlayStation team. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's a good starting point. Yeah. But I, I wouldn't say that you're expected to beat them. It's not one of the teams that are going to be a really crunch match. Um, so I wouldn't risk him. Um, you know, Morris has still been playing very well. He had a very good chance against Man City, uh, which I suppose is the difference between <laughs> Harland and, and Morris. No disrespect, but Harland probably whacking that, he's probably <laughs> whacking that straight through the middle of, um, of the goalkeeper. Whereas um, Ortega pulled off a good save, but he's still getting a good position, still playing well, still holding it up. While, while that's there, then, I think um, wait till Elijah's properly 100%. Uh, there's other options as well now, isn't there? I think now that Hashioka has got his debut, if he features more from a defensive sense, maybe it frees up Chio to be more attacking, um, more focus on the attacking, that is. I mean, he's not disgraced himself in any way, shape or form uh, on, the tr- on the retreat whatsoever. But, um, you know, that is... Obviously, a, a huge uh, weapon in the armory to to get Chia on the ball and get him running at people, because Aston Villa are going to be one of those teams that will want to play the way they want to play, and they'll be very buoyed by the fact that they were so dominant at Villa Park against Luton when they when they come to do the match up again. So, um, I don't think they're going to be doing a Sheffield United and, and stifling that sort of thing. So, there there is opportunity there for for the likes of for the likes of Chia. Yeah, they're definitely not, are they? They play the highest of high lines. Uh, we saw it at their place. Couldn't get near it because we were in that phase then where midfield was 40 yards behind Carlton Morris. We were in the phase where Ross Barkley was having his first 90 minutes uh, on the pitch. And I remember referencing it in the review game that the best thing to come out of that defeat was that Ross Barkley got 90 minutes and he believed he could do it and he was fine and everything else. And hey, look what's happened since then. Andros Townsend was still building up as well. So many of us were still building up. Yet someone referenced on social media after the Man City game that we're missing Elijah Adebayo. I can understand where he's coming from. It's probably not the game to pick it out on because ultimately we've scored in 14 straight games against Premier League teams. So we're not actually missing a striker. Yes, we probably would be better for having Elijah there. We're missing Tom Lockyer. That's the one we're missing. Well, I think, or- uh, yeah, obviously. His organisational skill. Obviously missing, yeah, obviously missing that. But I think you're, to a degree, we're missing Elijah's work off the ball in preventing the umpteen through balls that Man City were able to play. I'm not saying that if Elijah was on the pitch that they wouldn't be cutting the sway through Luton, Man City, that is. Uh, they probably still would have. But he offers so much in a defensive sense from attack that, that helps out the midfield and also your likes of Jacob Brown who was doing that fantastic as well and we're not going to see him for a long time as well by the looks of it after his knee injury so 
uh, and surgery. So, um, yeah, th- those those things do matter. Um, Goals-wise, probably not at the moment. You've got the likes of Jordan Clark who can bang two goals in like that against Man City in midweek in the FA Cup. Then, um, and, and goals have been shared around the team as well. So uh, I don't think you should really overlook the fact that how impressive is to for a team newly promoted like Luton to have scored 14 times in a row. No, exactly that. It's a record for a promoted side in the Premier League. Of course, it's 13 in the Premier League, a couple against, um, a couple in the Cup. Um, ultimately, the XG against Man City was something like 2.5. So we're not worried in the attacking sense. It's the defensive sense. We're not missing Tom's defensive play. We're missing his organisation and his leadership at the back and his telling young footballers where to position themselves and and everything else. And that's where they're going to learn. And maybe a beating or two helps them learn a little bit quicker. Um, at the back though, we had no gay Bosho on Tuesday night. Precautionary. Rob admitted that after the game. Uh, but we may have no Amari Bell in this one because he went off injured and Amari Bell doesn't go off injured. Um, never does that. I can't even think. I mean, even when he come back from the Gold Cup, supposedly injured, he went straight into the side. He, he was still trying to run when he had got injured yeah. against Man City. I hope he hasn't done himself extra mischief because because he was still. I mean, he couldn't run, but he was still trying. Yeah, no, exactly that. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if he's fit. If he's in any way fit, he'll play because he just brings balance to the center of the defense. Mm. But Osho, I mean, I thought Reese Burke was pretty good on. Uh, Tuesday night as good as you can be when you can see six goals um, does Osho come back into the side being kind of guilty for being run past for a couple of recent goals so if he's not perfectly fit do we just save him I think we're all of a of a consensus that the three games that follow this one are eminently easier than this one so would it be worth saving him and going with assuming he's fit Bell, Mengi, Burke as a back three. Thinking Mengi against whoever's the middle one is, is up against Ollie Watkins. Would Mengi be better dealing with him than Gabe Osho? I guess is the ultimate question. Oh, oh, yeah, I mean, if Osho's nowhere, if if he's a slight doubt, then I, in, in the same way, we're talking about Elijah, just don't risk him because we're we're at that stage now where the injuries are mounting up and uh, very much in a defensive sense. That's a problem. If you have to shuffle it for the Aston Villa to give him extra time to be ready for Crystal Palace, then that's more preferable to me. If if he's in any way a doubt, then I think don't play Osho and 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 Ted and Mengi starts in that position because you know Reese Burke. Um, every, everybody knows that watches this regularly and knows how highly regard regard him and he's not had a hell of a lot of season but uh, games this season but when he comes on um he does he does well uh, we do have to check how many games he's played though doesn't he because he does break down after seven usually so um well it's only so. one at the minute isn't it because he <laughs> didn't play against liverpool um i suppose the only other question i'm aware of we're of the same mindset with Lakonga then if he's nowhere near 100 percent fit and you wouldn't think he's going to be Sit him out. I, the good thing with Lukonga is we were really worried after Liverpool, wasn't we, that we could not do without Lukonga. Well, actually, Jordan Clark said, Woohoo, look at me, I can play this position. So it's not as 
massive that Lokonga plays, but obviously we're on eminently better side when Lokonga plays. And of course, if we can get Clark further up the pitch, that's beneficial to all. But maybe the gap that, between Lokonga and who we thought was going to go in there isn't quite as big as we might have exaggerated it to be. Yeah, perhaps not. But I mean, Lokonga does have a very a set of very specific skills that... Um, that he's, probably, the eye. he's probably the defensive skills, probably what we need. You know, that I slight that, protection that, block, that he gives. That block the other the other day. And the turning yeah. away from uh, McAllister and Gakpo and think the composure that, that he brings, that kind of thing. Yeah. But then Clark offers probably more than Lokonga going forward. So what you gain on the swings, you lose on the roundabout, as they say. Yeah, there's more of a goal threat. I mean, I'd, I'd say that even before he scored those two against Man City, but that, that's going to do him the world good in front of goal. Um, he, he he's probably uh, it, it it might be slightly better in the tight spaces in between the lines if they if you get up to the edge of the box, and I think he he might be slightly um, better there than than Lukonga. But I mean, that's a you could stick a fag paper between <laughs> between those two talents and. Um, that's that's yeah different one to, different difficult one to call but I think um you know if it wasn't for the fact that Manchester City were so good and Haaland and De Bruyne were outstanding out of this world in fact I think there'd be a lot of plaudits for the way that J- Jordan Clark played in that game regardless of the two goals I think he had a really good game so I th- I think there that yeah to use your swings and roundabouts analogy I think that there is some some hope there and. Obviously, they're placing a lot more emphasis on attacking as well in this formation and this um, not not wanting to change that for anybody, which I think I, 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 I applaud it, I think, because there's no point. You've got to give this a go. It could be the only chance. Kill before you're killed. It, it, yeah, sadly, it could be the only chance. You've got to go down swinging if you're, if that, if you're going down. Yeah, absolutely. Listen, if you lose a game 4-3 or you lose a game 4-0, you lose a game. Mm. So let's lose the game 4-3. Obviously, we don't want to lose the game, but, you know, we are going to lose games of football. We knew it right at the start. We've spoken to so many people within the club. Rob mentions it to you in on an almost weekly basis that we're going to lose games. Wilco was sat in that very chair saying he wasn't sure he was prepared to lose games when we had him in for the first time This because um, we're not used to it. But we all knew it was coming. Nothing that's happened has been a surprise to anyone or anything or any shape or form. So that's why everyone's still positive within the club and still optimistic and everything else. Two things we've got to be careful of in this game. Offsides, they're a massive thing. Their line's really high. And that was kind of an annoying thing on um, Tuesday when we got into good positions a couple of times. We were offside, just lazy offsides as well, not getting back onside. Corley Woodrow was guilty of one of them. So just be careful with that because they catch a lot of teams offside. So when Chio makes that burst down the right-hand side and we play the diag to him, just make sure that the run's right. Alfie's been caught a few times at Liverpool last week doing exactly the same thing. No point getting into these attacking areas just for their high line to do exactly what it's meant to do and um, play us offside. So be careful with that. But we can get at these at set pieces. I firmly believe that we can get at these at set pieces. Newcastle scored a couple against them in that game at Villa Park recently. Manchester United um, 
Harry Maguire had an absolute field day against them. They were marking him with Kamara, I think it was. He won't play. He's there holding. He's their kind of Lakonga or Nakamba, for, uh, if you will. He won't play. He's done for the season, done his ACL, I think it was, in that game. But every single set piece, Harry Maguire bullied whoever it was. And Rasmus Hoyland scored the opening goal from it. McTominay scored the winner from a header as well. So they're not great defending crosses. And of course, we put more crosses into the box than anyone uh, in the competition. So that's the area, isn't it? Stay on side, get the wide players in the game, get them balls in the box, whether they're from dead balls or from open play and uh, get on the attack. Yeah, we've got to get that working again, haven't we? Because um, you know, for a couple of games, it, it it hasn't. Whereas previously, you always felt there's a chance every time you've got a, a set piece, and um, and there is if you if you use the flanks well. Um, because if you can't get a cross in, you may get blocked. It goes out. You know, you've you've got a chance. I don't think there's any excuse to be offside if you're Chio. You've got you can skin most people alive with your pace. It's Alfie that gets caught the most, and fr- it's frustrating. And you should be able to see that line if you're on the flank. You should be able to see the whole thing and and not do that. So, is one thing he has to improve, um, and, and perhaps he's you know having had such a wonderful season, you could say he's dipped off a little bit since the January transfer window. Uh, and uh, I've seen some people say that's because he doesn't have the competition of Giles anymore. Let's be honest, he didn't have that competition anyway. Giles wasn't the competition. That's a, why they've let him go. There was as much chance of me playing as there was of Ryan Giles playing, and I'm not even in the squad. So, um, yeah, it's nothing to do with competition. It's just sheer weight of games. Um, yeah, the, their defensive output since Kamara went down has completely fallen through the roof, and that's understandable. As I say, he's their defensive midfielder in much the same way that our defensive output's gone out of the window since Lockyer, uh, and particularly um, Lukonga went down. You know, in this world of football right now, the shield for the defence is almost as important as the defence itself. And so they've lost theirs. So they're going to play a central midfield too of McGinn and Douglas Louise, who both like to look forward. If it's not them they're two, it'll pretty be... Pretty bloody good, aren't they? They are good. <laughs> but if it's not them two, it'll be Yuri Tillemans. Yeah. So again, there's no sort of natu- good, no. natural defensive midfielder there. So if we can get Ross Barkley or Jordan Clark or who, or Chong or whoever it may be, the other side of their midfield, there's not going to be no natural protection. So we can get at them. They're going to get at us. Kill before we get killed. It's going to be a basketball game, isn't it? It absolutely <laughs> That's what is. what it feels like. It absolutely is. Yeah, if you're going down to bookies and backing no goal scorer in this one, I'll, money. T- I'll take your cash <laughs> because it's not going to happen. Um, even allowing for the fact that they got a World Cup winner in goal and we're going to have Thomas Kaminsky back in goal. I hope we're going to have Thomas Kaminsky back in goal. And we will have. Kaminsky back in goal. Right, that's it. Score predictions. You just said it's a basketball game. Yeah. What's your uh, score prediction for Luton versus Aston Villa? 67 all. No. <laughs> um, game's only 45 minutes long, is yeah. it? <laughs> no. um, yeah, I think it's going to be a high scoring one uh, because of those reasons. I think um, yeah, you, you can't rely on Luton to try and keep them out. I think. I mean, we'll try and keep them out. Oh, tr- yeah, try. You just can't rely on it happening. I mean, it just, 
hasn't lasted more than five, ten minutes in yeah, recent that, games. That's the thing. That's <laughs> the thing, Town. Whatever we do here, give ourselves a chance. Don't be 2-0 down after 10 minutes. Don't give a goal away, a stupid goal away. If they score in the first 10 minutes, let it be a worldie or a really well-crafted goal. No one fall over. No one put the ball into Ollie Watkins' path or anything like that. Listen, they don't do it on purpose, but just go that extra yard to make sure it doesn't happen this time. Yeah, and if that takes, if that means playing a bit conservative for the first 10, 15 minutes, then I'd be okay with that because it's a killer. It's, it's, it, does, it flattens the atmosphere and everything. And we, we don't need that. We need it to be up. So keep it, keep it tight for, for the first 15 minutes. Um, and then, um, absolute goal fest. <laughs> I think it will be, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna go positive because, uh, the last two times got, Batted more than six for six goals. There's been a positive result afterwards. So I'm going to say a high scoring, a nail biting 4 3 win. 4 3. 4 3 for James. I'm one less. Every Luton important win is 3 2. And Saturday will be no different. There are goals in this game. They just are. You look at the reverse fixture. They had three. Thomas Kaminsky made that saver of the season, sorry, saver of the month contender from Ollie Watkins. It could have, I mean, even that could have ended seven or eight. We're a much better attacking force this time around. So many more attacking players in better form. We were in that midst of that Carlton Morris run where he was struggling for goals, weren't we? We're not in that no more. Got Teef Chong and everyone else playing really, really well. And ultimately, this game's on Sky Sports for a reason because they know they're going to get a damn good game of football because Luton Town are involved. Pretty much every TV game's had goals in it this season. This one is going to be no different. Don't like Villa as much away from home. I think we can get at them. Hopefully we can restrict them a little bit more than we've restricted, well, certainly than we've restricted Man City and Liverpool. And come out on top 3-2. Huge, huge game this one. And I think the boys will be right up for it. Just about under the lights. Still, just about early enough in the year that we're going to be under the floodlights. I tell you what, I, in in the the world of mixed kickoff times in the Premier League, um, now that Gladiator is back on the TV, I'm not happy about a five thirty kickoff. What's going to happen here? Because you've got Ross Barkley on the football pitch, and then on BBC One, you've got Legend, aka Ross Barkley, <laughs> on Gladiators. Are you going to tell me they're not the? They're not both live. I don't know. I'm going to have to get a picture and look at them. Is, are you saying that Ross Barkley looks like Legend from Gladiators? No, I'm saying Legend is Ross Barkley. He's oh, an right. absolute <laughs> dead ringer for him. <laughs> Honestly, if you've not watched Gladiators, you won't have the foggiest idea what we're on about. Also, what are you doing with your life if you've not watched Gladiators? BBC One, 7 o'clock, Saturday. Oh, what a show. What a show. I'm going to have to have, record it though, aren't I, because of this? I play a mate. Yeah, I know, but you know. I know it's not live when they do it, but... I mean, if you really want to, you can whack it on your laptop and watch it whilst the game's going on below you. Well, how can I, I can't do that. If it's going to be a 4-3 absolute monster of a game. That is very true. <laughs> that is very true. Just make sure Ross Barkley's on the football pitch, not swinging from some rings or chasing someone up a wall or something like that. And that'll be the rest of us going up the wall, to be fair, I reckon. Can't be two, different per- <laughs> two more different personalities than Ross Barkley and Legend from Gladiators, that's for sure, albeit I understand he's an act and Ross Barkley's a damn good footballer. Yeah, whether it's football or Gladiators that you want Saturday night, it's going to be quite exciting. Or like James, go to the football and then watch Gladiators when you get back. I, I, won't, I won't do that, by the way. <laughs> um, because, yeah, I might be more concentrated on the gladiators. You won't be. You no, won't. No, I won't. This is going to be, it's going to be ahead of a game and it's going to be nerve shredding. Just 
let me know if you do watch Gladiators, if you see Legend and think Ross Barkley in him. It is an absolute spitting image, I'm telling you. <laughs> um, that's for sure. Score predictions, that's ours then. 4-3 for James, 3-2 for me, both resulting in a Luton win. What's your score prediction? Let us know. You'll be not surprised to hear, James, no one was close for the last game. And I'm quite glad no one was close for the last game because... Um, I wouldn't have wanted anyone to have predicted 6-2 in favour of Manchester City. So let's have your score predictions. Not much time to give us these ones. Obviously, these games are coming thick and fast at the minute. But if anyone does get the correct score, rest assured you will be shouted out in the review podcast, which will come along early next week. That's it for this episode of the podcast. Thank you to everyone for all the many, many comments uh, that we're receiving right now. Plenty of them, particularly in that Liverpool review podcast, admittedly a lot from Liverpool fans, but we appreciate all of your comments. So we appreciate everyone who subscribed to us. We haven't forgotten that giveaway that we promised you. We're just finalising one or two prizes. And once we've got that, we'll do a massive thing. Maybe we'll get that sorted out during the international break. Actually, that feels like a perfect time to do a deep dive and a giveaway for that. Do keep all of your comments coming. We read them all. We try and reply to as many of them as we can do. Uh, If you haven't yet got a ticket to the annual quiz Tuesday night 7pm Eric Morecambe suite there are still the last knockings of tickets going around so make sure you jump on the social media feeds or the link on our website to get your ticket to what is always a fun event podcasts do keep coming thick and fast there are still another four games before that international break three after this Aston Villa game and we will be previewing and reviewing all of those games so do subscribe to wherever you get this podcast so that you get a notification when each one drops so that you don't miss out thanks for watching or listening however you've consumed this podcast thanks to James for keeping me company for the last 45 minutes or so And thanks, of course, to the Hightown Club for staging our studio, to Sean Grant and the Wolfgang for our wonderful intro music. He's a Villa fan, by the way. Not so much, (laughs) not so much thanks to you uh, for this one, but maybe from there onwards. And of course, to Ed Smith Creative for all the designs that you see on set. If you have a ticket Saturday night, be loud and proud as you possibly can. The boys need every bit of support we can give them for what is still a tough game, even if it's maybe not as tough as Tuesday night was. So until the review podcast, which we will have out early on Monday morning, as always, come on, you hatters. Actually, you, everyone in it has got this massive soul.